0: What a beautiful night. That we can set this time aside and reflect through song and through the reading of God's word, through communion. It really is a joy to see you here tonight, to be able to gather and do this. How important is it that we set time aside to remember what is central in our lives? It's vital. We do that for other things that are important to us, don't we? We celebrate anniversaries and birthdays. We celebrate people. And we do this to remember. We don't want to forget how meaningful, how, how, how valued they are in our lives. We want them to know it as well. We're doing that here tonight. I want to read a passage as well, as we've heard already, several beautiful passages In Matthew chapter 27, we hear this account. Beginning in verse 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people, they answered, Oh, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, they delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. They stripped him. And they put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him, and they took the reed, and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away. To crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he could not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Oh, this man is calling for Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. We'll pause there. We're going to reflect on this passage for a few minutes here, a little different than what the others have done. Years ago, I remember visiting with my grandmother shortly after my grandfather had passed away. My grandfather was rushed to the hospital, passed away before she could arrive. And so what happened was she had the transcripts of what went down delivered to her. So there I was alone with my grandmother. She had the transcripts, and she said, Darren, I want you to read what happened. She hadn't read it yet. I want you to read it to me, is what she said. It's one of the hardest things I ever did in my life, actually. I wasn't reading about someone I didn't know. I was reading about my grandfather, you know, the one who made the best chicken and dumplings, the one who always cut my hair way too short. And it was a play by play, moment by moment account of his death. Jesus isn't a stranger to me. I've followed him for many years now. Many of you have done the same. When we read an account like this, the more I've come to know him over the years, the more personal it is to read this. I'm not reading about a stranger. What they're doing in this text is what my sin required. It's being done to someone I know and love. I want you to pay attention, I want us to pay attention to the repeated mockery and the disdain coming from the crowds and the religious leaders, even the thieves that were hanging on each side of Jesus. There's this repeated refrain, if if you picked up on it, where people were yelling at Jesus, save yourself. There's so much irony in this passage. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. They had no idea what they were really saying. At noon, which was about the sixth hour, a supernatural darkness just came over the whole land. We read about it. And it came over the land until about the ninth hour, about 3 p.m. And this wasn't an eclipse or some kind of dust storm, as some suggest. It was a darkness that could be felt. It wasn't the first time in Scripture we read about a darkness like this. Darkness represents, in Scripture, darkness represents God's judgment. In Exodus chapter 10, it describes a divine darkness that fell on the land of Egypt. It was one that could be felt. It was one of the plagues. And it brought judgment just before it was announcing death. Death would come. The death of every firstborn. And just before, the Israelites were told to sacrifice the Passover lamb and put that lamb above their doors and hide inside their house so that they would be safe from that judgment of death. And so now, here, just before the Passover lamb dies in our place for our sin, a darkness could be felt. The judgment of God the Father is present here in this moment, in these hours. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. The the pattern had been set in Israel's history. I know it's hard. Chapter after chapter after chapter, we learn about sacrificial systems and things that were set up that feel so foreign to us, but the pattern was set. And here Jesus comes In all of his humility, and he he fulfills this, this pattern set through the sacrificial system, he is the ultimate sacrifice that would pay the price, that would open the way. Jesus is fulfilling what the sacrificial system pointed to. He became sin for us. So first, this evening, let's take a moment and consider the spiritual darkness that we all wrestle with that we've all been swimming in at some point in our life. Second, let's consider the end result of that spiritual darkness if we were to stay in it. The unraveling, the coming undone, the confusion, the emptiness, the deserved judgment that comes our way, the death and separation from God because of that darkness. That's what it leads to. But here, in Matthew 27, we see that Jesus, Jesus met our deepest need. He met our deepest need, enduring the darkness, enduring the judgment, the deserved judgment that we deserve. And he did it alone. He did it for us. No one likes to walk into a dark room alone. I mean, not normally. I remember as a kid, we'd get home late at night, and my my parents were getting stuff out of the car, and Mom would say, go in the house. I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going in that house. It's scary. But if my little sister would go with me, then it was all right. Somehow it was all right. Like, all right, the monster would get her first, and then I'd I'd find a way out. Like, you go first. (laughs) Presence mattered. Just someone's presence mattered. Walking into the dark. Jesus had no one. He was alone, facing that darkness for you and I. He goes before us so that we are not alone. He bore the wrath, the just punishment, the deserved punishment on our sin for us. It's it's breathtaking. That's what we see happening before us here in Matthew 27. And in verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last Another gospel says he screamed out, it is finished, or it's accomplished. It was a cry of victory, staring death in the face. And so Jesus' cross, really, it should be understood as Jesus' throne. What do I mean? His exaltation, his triumph over our greatest enemy, sin and death. You see what Jesus accomplished there? it was accomplished, that salvation was accomplished because he stayed up on that cross. Because he didn't save himself. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves, church. Here's what happened after. He breathed his last. Let's keep reading in verse 51. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. A sort of parenthesis here, Matthew is emphasizing what happened, it seems, after Jesus raised from the dead here. But as soon as Jesus breathed his last, that curtain in the temple was torn in two. That, That curtain that divided that space... The Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And no one could enter there but once a year, and only the priest. But now that curtain was torn in two, signifying, showing that through Jesus' broken body and shed blood, we have been given full access to God. We've been reconciled to the living God, our sins forgiven. This whole story, this whole story that we have here is about redemption. Salvation, relationship, love. We're seeing it unfold. We're celebrating it here tonight. We're remembering it. We cannot pay the penalty of sin. We cannot pay the penalty of our sin. And we cannot overcome the power of sin, which is death. But Jesus did both. did both and he did it for you I don't know where you're at I'm not going to give an altar call but I believe that the Spirit of God is present here tonight And that if you've been considering the claims of Jesus and wrestling with what it means to know Christ as Savior, and if you've been sitting here hearing these songs and and hearing the passages read, and now you're starting to see all the puzzle pieces start to come together, you don't get it all, but you're starting to see something is is here, something real, something rich, something for you. Well, you're right. This is for you. And the Bible clearly invites you to, to put your faith and trust in Jesus. How do you do that? It's an act of surrender. It's saying, Christ, save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Save me from the darkness I'm swimming in. I recognize what you did for me. I want to live for you. I want to encourage you to do that if you have not done that. And then for all of us here tonight, if, if regardless of where we are, um, it's good for us to allow what we've been reading here and singing about To have its way in our hearts. That we'd feel the heaviness, the weightiness of what's happened for us. That it wouldn't become so just, we wouldn't be so casual with it that, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. That we would remember, much like when I read the transcripts of my grandfather and his final moments, this is someone who loves us who is for us and who stepped into space and time and took on the stuff we're made of to do something about our brokenness and to reconcile us to the living God. And so this is about love, reconciliation, and you knowing God personally. Let's celebrate that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this evening. We've sung songs. We've We've prayed. We've read various portions of Scripture, old and new. We've celebrated communion. And all these things are just, they're, they're helping us appreciate what you've done for us. We don't want to move away from this. We actually want this to be the habit of our lives. Where we center ourselves again and again and again, reminding ourselves what really took place for us what you did for us, and that we be moved by it, Lord. We love you. Thank you for this time. Lord, you show us love. You've shown us what love is through the sacrifice of your son. We're humbled by it, and we love you in return. In Christ's name, amen. Local Church St. Pete, this has been a beautiful time. I've never, I've never led a Good Friday service before. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and and I can't wait to gather again on Sunday. Can I please encourage each of you, let's not stop inviting people uh, to our Sunday gatherings, and especially um, this Sunday as we gather. Have a wonderful night, and we'll see you Sunday.